This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response, an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. TL Talk Radio, Season 5, Episode 31. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 31 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hatton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. Good evening, Randy. Yes, we are uh, recording this in the evening, which is a little unusual, but we're excited to talk about uh, this an interesting topic with our two guests today. Yes, so we have a young entrepreneur with us, uh, Megan Chen, author of Finding Tiger, as well as Zach Jones, director at Dual School. And Megan is a young learner who followed her passion and published a children's book called Finding Tiger. The book targets the problems of implicit bias and stereotyping, and Megan's really interested in finding creative innovation uh, solutions to problems, and she's passionate about entrepreneurship. She even started the Entrepreneurship Club at her school. And joining Megan today is Zach. Zach is a director at Dual School, a supplement to the existing education system. Uh, Dual School delivers an elite learning opportunity to students from public, private, and charter schools in Newcastle County, Delaware. A graduate of Horn Entrepreneurship at University of Delaware, Zach is the author of The World Changers Handbook, A Young Person's Guide to Creating an Impactful Life. He's passionate about helping young people activate their potential by taking action on their ideas, and we're going to hear about one of those today. All right. So welcome to the podcast, Megan and Zach. Yeah, thanks for having us. Glad to be here. All right. So we're interested to learn about each of you individually, but also to hear how your your worlds sort of crossed and intersected. So let's start our conversation uh, with Zach and learn a little bit more about this dual school model and the kinds of opportunities that it offers young people like Megan. Dual school's flagship program is a, is a social impact incubator for high school students. So we bring together students from public, private, and charter schools here in Newcastle County, Delaware, um, for a 10-week program that starts with a, with a kickoff weekend. 
and concludes with a public exhibition of the work. Um, so all of these students are applying to dual school with some sort of um, social problem they want to address. So things like mental health in schools, financial literacy or climate change, um, and in Megan's case, something like implicit bias. Um, and then throughout the process of dual school, students get paired with a mentor. Um, some of these mentors are, are entrepreneurship students at University of Delaware. Some of them are experienced entrepreneurs um, in the community, and some are, are innovative teachers from the community as well. Um, and, and with their mentors, these students kind of start to build out a network of people that can advise them on their project. And then they start start prototyping. So dual school is kind of built on this design thinking model. Um, and, and also we do some systems thinking as well. So we help students, since they're solving social problems, really understand um, what's at play in this problem that they're solving and what are the really important levers we can pull to make change. And then we really encourage taking action. We don't want the students at the end of 10 weeks to present uh, a plan or what they think they will do. We want them to say that I, in week five, I tried this and then I reflected on it. And then in week eight, I tried this. And now after this, I'm going to go launch my program at with this partner. Um, so it's very action oriented, very hands-on. The, the sessions are, are three-hour workshops that, that look a lot more like a design sprint than any sort of lecture. Um, students are kind of writing on whiteboard walls, working with their mentors, reaching out to people, having meetings, um, and soliciting feedback from each other. Um, so that's, that's dual school in a nutshell. That's the, that's the flagship program that Megan participated in. Um, yeah. So yeah. it sounds like some really powerful learning experiences. And are these uh, learning experiences that they have, do these occur outside of their more traditional school day or does it substitute for a more traditional school day? So, so right now, so we've experimented with both. So we, we, we launched with a program that was from 1.30 to 4.30. So students would come partially during their school day and partially after school. Um, we are experimenting this semester with a, a three to six um, model where students are coming after school. And we also have a pilot class at a, at a public high school nearby um, where students are participating during their school day completely, um, 90 minutes every other day, led by a teacher and not by, not by us. Um, but the teacher was trained by dual school and has, has kind of our, our model and the students participate for credit during the school day. So we've kind of experimented with all the above and it kind of depends on the, on the implementation. Mm -hmm. So Megan, tell us why you chose to apply to dual school. Okay, yeah, so I think the first time I heard about dual school was from a couple people um, at my school that first did it and was in like their first ever uh, cohort slash group and they came back um, and had a like they had a really positive reaction to it and really enjoyed the program, um, and they really emphasized that like you were able to solve a problem that you were passionate about, and they ended up creating some really cool projects. Um, and from there, I became really interested in the program, um, and was really interested in applying. And so I I was part of like the second cohort that they had um, last year, and it was a really cool experience. So tell us a little bit about your experience, how you started in week one and maybe a couple of your iterations until you got to the end where you had your public exhibition and, and um, eventually first published your book. Yeah. So um, 
when I first started tool school, I definitely didn't go in um, with the same idea that I left out with. I went in with the problem of a cultural identity crisis because growing up as an Asian American, um, I often had this like not feeling like I could balance between either world um, and not being really able to fit in. And so I went in with that problem that I want to solve. And in week one, week two, I had this idea of, oh, I want to create these classes um, where people would be able to experience like different cultures and get a little snippet of each one. But then over the weeks, I kept on, you know, researching and developing and found that um, maybe a solution like that might actually kind of enforce stereotypes and what specific cultures were. So I scrapped that idea and <laughs> I was really unsure for a while as to like what I should continue my project as. Um, and then I kind of developed my project toward the problems of implicit bias. And I talked to teachers about it um, and talked to other people who had gone through kind of similar situations slash stories that I have. And that is where I got like the idea to start writing my book. Um, and it was around like the middle of school that I uh, first started getting into writing it. And then it ended up taking me like around a year and a half to like completely finish. So Megan, how is the the learning experience at dual school and, and creating this uh project with your book, how is that different than how you learn in your traditional school? Yeah. So it's definitely, there's not a specific person that's there that will tell you like, this is wrong and this is right. And this is what you should do. Um, I had a mentor during dual school who was really, really helpful. And she helped to kind of like guide me as to like what I should do. But ultimately, um, I kind of had to like conquer like these like challenges throughout the journey, like on my own. Um, and not have someone there, like, you know, bring me, like, uh, kind of hand by hand, I guess, like, kind of instructing me through the whole thing. And that was really cool and definitely taught me a lot of, like, different, like, new skills that I previously wasn't really able to get out of, I guess, like, traditional schooling. Um, and then through dual school, I also was able to get connected to a lot of people in my community um, who were kind of working towards the problem that I was trying to work toward. Um, and that was also a really cool thing that I feel like in traditional school, you don't really get connected to a lot of other people like in mm -hmm. your community um, in that aspect of it. So that was really cool. Do you wish that traditional school had more of these kinds of learning opportunities? I definitely like currently I'm working on like trying to get more of a balance between what traditional schooling entails and what like a model like dual school entails. I think it's like really a great opportunity for like young learners to be able to experience something like this kind of project-based learning where they're like really put into like the real world and are able to like truly find their passions um while in school you kind of get the i guess base of some like skills necessary to do things like this but by actually implementing it such in a program such as dual school um is really cool and i'm definitely aiming to try to um kind of get the two together <laughs> So in your journey of creating this book and working with other people and your mentor to do this, what were some of the high points, the really top successes for you? And what were some of those low points, those challenges when maybe you thought like, oh, am I going to get through this? Do I have to give yeah. it up? Yeah, um, I definitely think um, along the journey, there was a lot of really, so I'll start off with the high points. So definitely, um, first, I remember like there's this one day in dual school. Well, originally, I didn't even think I was able to have the skill set to like create a book 
and I was just like talking to Zach one day about it and then he was like I was like oh I'm not sure I don't think I could do it and then he was like you know you should just go for it you should just try it um and that and then I just started and like started going on this like really cool journey of creating it and that was really amazing and then um I got my friend involved who was also involved in like helping me co-illustrate it um and we were able to like bond a lot over like creating all these illustrations and that was amazing um and I was able to also learn a bunch of skills of like creating your own book during this and use like different design softwares that I previously never had used before and obviously actually getting the book published was a really um big accomplishment within it and now that it is published um I've been going to like different schools um and being able to like spread the book and share the curriculum that I actually developed along with my book to students to um help teach about the problems of implicit bias um definitely during the journey though there is a lot of um hard work that was put in a lot of low points and at one point um before I uh, decided to self-publish the book I originally wanted to um, go through like a traditional publishing setting and over the summer I've contacted probably over like 30 40 like different literary agents trying to get the book um traditionally published and you know they a lot of them respond to me but you know it was just like a really soft rejection and at that point I was like oh maybe my book isn't good enough maybe you know I can't do this but I feel like through a lot of publishing avenues such as that a lot of times it's like you know they're only looking for a very specific thing um, and maybe at the time it just wasn't that, but ultimately I didn't let that discourage me and I continued with this passion and uh, topic that I really wanted to pursue. So that pushed me through it. Wow. So I really appreciate your growth mindset, Megan, um, persevering when you're faced with the rejection from the publisher and just realizing this just might not be the fit that they were expecting or the product they were looking for, but you have an important story to tell and you have an important story to tell and um, you persevered to tell it. So, and then you created guiding documents to go along with it. Yep. <laughs> so your work will continue to grow and, and be shared with more, more people. So let's shift back over to Zach and, and, you know, certainly this is an amazing project, but Megan, what you've accomplished is extremely impressive and you're so articulate as you share about it. What are some of the other projects that are happening in dual school and how are those projects impacting the community, Zach? Yeah, this is, yeah, this is super exciting. Um, I, Megan, Megan's project is like this incredible example of, of kind of perseverance and um, especially after dual school, because it's only 10 weeks, right? So a lot of the questions are like, well, it's only 10 weeks. How much can you really get done? Um, and, and our goal is to kind of create that, that mindset shift where students are able to go on after that 10 weeks and with the connections they built with the with the idea that they have and to and to really execute something um so some other really exciting projects right now actually coming out of the class at at, at this local high school that we have we have we have three students who are developing a program to increase support for english language learners so they're all um they're all like learning English as a second language. They've and they've been here for two years, um, and and went through this problem of like, wow, it is like so intimidating to come to a high school and not really know the language, not really know the people. Um, and just recently, at, at the beginning of of February, they launched a professional development series for teachers. Um, so we now have students who are leading a series of professional development workshops to to teach teachers and help teachers better understand um, how, what 
a student, um, an English language learner is experiencing. Um, so that, that was super cool to hear that they really launched because that project has been in the works. They've been working with dual school since last spring, um, in like a, in a pilot program and kept working over the summertime and then joined the class in the fall and launched this project, um, in the spring. Um, so, so we, we also have a student who is, in this current cohort of dual school, this project is really interesting because it speaks to kind of like the personal importance of a lot of the projects. So most of the projects that students do, they do because they experience some sort of problem um, related to, to the problem that they're solving. Um, and this student actually is doing kind of a rare disease education initiative because he has epilepsy and has dealt with a lot of... Um, you know, like false perceptions of what that means because people people have a conception of what that means and they make comments not understanding really like what the true implications of having that disease are. Um, so what he applied to dual school with was some sort of some sort of program or initiative to help people better understand diseases that are uncommon um, but traditionally misunderstood. Um, and we we actually have a couple students who who have applied to dual school that in this current cohort with a similar similar angle hmm. um we see a lot of initiatives around mental health in school and which i think speaks to the fact that students students are seeing this problem and feeling this problem and the support systems that they want aren't quite there um, oftentimes this this takes the form of um, students launching an after school program um, or some sort of support group some sort of club where they run activities and have space for students to talk about things that that matter to them and that are on their minds um yeah those are some of the yeah some of the other initiatives coming out of dual school so through your role in as director at dual school how do you create the space for that um you know maybe some some ideas from your world changers handbook um to share a little bit about about the resource you've created as well yeah 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 so the world changers handbook was kind of this answer to a question that i really struggled with all throughout college um of like what's my purpose what's my passion and i i, I listened to, to all these podcasts and read these books and talked to people and listened to speakers and i tried everything to like condense <laughs> my passion and purpose into like a sentence um and i i really remember this time where i was like i got it this is it and i told it to somebody and they're like no, that's not it. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I'm back at square one. Like, what do I do? And honestly, what I realized, one, I learned a lot from like listening to all these podcasts and speakers and books. Um, and two, I realized like the second I stopped trying to define my passion and purpose was when like things started kind of happening. Mm -hmm. um, once I stopped trying to name it and started just doing the things that I felt like were the best fit for me, I felt this, this, this new freedom and this new level of kind of um, like flow. Um, so, so the book was an attempt to try and get at that. So mm -hmm. to condense some of these learnings around like, what are the key questions that you can ask yourself um, to better understand what it is that you're on the world to do? Like, what is your, what is your purpose? Um, and then just incorporating some real like reality around like achievement and how and how that's not really going to deeply satisfy you in a way because I I had gone through the similar process in college where I was like 
if I become the president of the entrepreneurship club, if I do this, if I do this, I'm going to be like so happy and successful. And like those things happened. And then I was like, oh, I'm, like, I'm actually the same person. Um, <laughs> I actually like think the same thoughts and feel the same things. Um, so I wanted to like include that as well. So that translates to dual school in a way because they're in this mindset of kind of prototyping. So one of the biggest things from, from the book is that if you think you want to be an author, um, you better like writing. So if you want to write a book, you should start writing every day and see if you like writing every day. Because if you do that, maybe you should be an author. Um, but if your conception of being an author is like, I'm going to escape to a cabin and write my book and have it published, um, but you actually no, hate, if you actually hate writing, um, maybe you shouldn't dream of being an author. Similarly, if you hate blood, you probably shouldn't work in a hospital. Um, and there, we could go on and on, right? Uh -huh. But like so frequently people don't test those assumptions and they're really quick and easy ways to test those assumptions. Um, so that mindset of, of working with students in dual school who have an idea and they're like, yeah, I really want to do this. We're like, perfect. How do we test that tomorrow? Mm -hmm. um, and often what we found and like Megan's story even speaks to this is they come in with an idea. This is what I really want to do. This is what I care about. Um, they go out and try it and figure out this actually isn't for me. And, and to us, that's successful because you learn something about yourself. You learn something really important about yourself and what you care about. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like a learning environment where um, the, the learners actually um, learn some really powerful life lessons at the end or across those 10 weeks that they're there. And I'm sure they probably come back for multiple cohorts, maybe? Yeah, yeah. So students do. So there are a few different ways students stay involved. Um, so we do have students who have done multiple cohorts. We do have students who come back and serve as mentors. Um, and then we do have students that we hire to work with us. So there's a pretty high percentage of, um, of the students that end up engaging in some future way. And we also try to, to launch other opportunities for alumni. Um, so last year we did a special workshop called the Facilitation Academy. Um, and my colleague and I have a kind of a background in design thinking and facilitation. We've taught out at Stanford's design school um, and think a lot about how to create workshops so we spent two full days with alumni and then some of our mentors teaching them facilitation to kind of equip them with the skills to go back to their environments and start to lead workshops as well. So a lot of our listeners um, are school leaders um, and teachers who are working to transform our more traditional learning environments around the country. And uh, we'd love to hear from both Zach and Megan. What advice would you give to those listeners, those school leaders that are working to shift the school experience more towards the learner-centered experience that you've described here? Um, I think in the abstract, creating a space where students' interests and, and the problems that they see in their lives are genuinely acknowledged is very rare. So I think that one of the things that we see like a, a moment of like a spark for students is when they apply to dual school, they say they really care about this thing. This thing is deeply personal to them and, and eventually down their path, they get a moment of validation 
where people are like, you know what? Yeah, that thing that you care so deeply about, that actually is real. And that's a problem in the world. And we really need to solve that. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something deeply validating about that for the student. And then there's just this relentless effort to support it. Like, who can I connect you with? You want me to like, let's call this person. Let's walk down the street and go to the Y. Let's talk to these people. How about we prototype that? Um, And I don't know how to, how to systematize that and make that into some nice little ball that we could hand off. Um, This is something that we're kind of working on and thinking about. But I think that if you have like a genuine interest in what the student cares about and you are relentless in trying to help them, um, people start to notice and progress starts to happen. Um, and, And structures start to change when you start to build that relationship where someone can can point out that that actually wasn't useful. Like I'm really trying to do this and this wasn't useful. And we've, we've, we've changed our, our curriculum significantly because of feedback from, from the user, feedback from the students. Um, and we, we, we try to optimize our time to be as helpful to them as possible. We have a really different situation where we work with students for 30 hours <laughs> and that's all we get. So we have 30 hours to go from, from idea, super vague, nebulous idea to, to action and exhibit. Um, I think schools have this tremendous opportunity that you have 30 hours in one week and you have many weeks in a year and four Mm -hmm. years and many, many more. Mm -hmm. Another idea that like suddenly like came into my mind was, well, I guess an example of it was last year, at least like in my high school, we had to do this project called um, Project Citizen, which I guess is like kind of similar to those school, but it was an example of like the first time that like kind of my school implemented something that was learner-centered. So Project Citizen was pretty much you had to research like a project that you were really passionate about. And we did it in more of like a, I guess like it had to do more with like bills and like regulations and kind of that aspect, not just like any problem, but we kind of started researching it and then we had to just kind of develop it and you had to interview people and create petitions and um, do something like that. And that was something that, you know, like my school's not really focused on learner-centered education, but that was an example of something that they did incorporate um, that started kind of touching on what a lot of learner-centered education focuses on. Um, And I think that kind of model of how that project ran could be implemented in other classes um, where, you know, you're taught some amount of information and then you have to kind of do some type of research or do something um, relating that whatever you learn to something that you're super interested in and then kind of diving deeper and further into um, whatever it is you're learning as that is like a way for learners to like become more interested in the topics that they're learning about in the first place um, and like relate to whatever they're learning about on a deeper level. So I think if projects such as that could be um, better incorporated, that'd be another way to um, start incorporating more learner-centered education. Mm -hmm. So thinking carefully about the kinds of learning activities that you're doing and having the adults, as Zach said, um, supporting your work and listening to what's important to you and finding ways to help you connect to to make the work happen. So thank you both for, for those insights. 
Um, so before we ask you what's next and what you're working on now, we have a couple of lightning round questions. And we added this this season in our fifth season. It's an iteration and um, it gives us more ideas for our listeners. So ideas for where our listeners can go for more resources. So are you ready? Yes. Ready. Okay. All right, here we go. So who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about co-designing these real world entrepreneurial opportunities um, so that learners can have the same experiences in school? Just like Justin and Dylan at NextGen. <laughs> that is, that yep. is amazing. Yep. So um, tell us why him. Yeah, so I last year, last summer, I attended one of their conferences in New York um, and was able, and I like, they actually ended up like later this year, actually having one in Philly, like near us and went to that one too. And it was amazing. And I've been able to talk to them. And I think like just their story of, you know, um, having this big idea and like, you know, they were on like the trajectory of just like, you know, graduating college or whatever. And then they had this great idea and they were like, you know, we're just going to go out and pursue it um, and do it. And, you know, we're just going to see what happens and then creating a conference that is now like super big, super cool. So many cool entrepreneurs that go there. Um, and originally not even knowing if it was going to turn out successful. It's just such a cool story. And both of them are super duper cool people. So yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. I've got, I've got two, two very different ones. So the, the first one is to kind of flip this on its head and it's like young people. Um, because mm -hmm. I feel that like the, I, I recognize this giant barrier in what we were doing. And since we're operating an out of school time, um, our time with, with students is super rare and valuable and we're constantly in this mindset of like oh we have this cool idea wait a second what would what, what would students say about this or like wait wait we really want to like revamp our curriculum but two adults should not sit in this room and revamp the dual school curriculum that just doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. um so it's like flipping it up on its head like the expert is the learner um, but then for, for a more kind of an answer that really, really fits, um, the expectations, I think Seth Godin is somebody for me that has been, has been really helpful and influential and he has, um, a bunch of books and a daily blog and a podcast and, and workshops, um, and just a plethora of knowledge, one of the most concise and eloquent people. Um, you will find speaking about everything from entrepreneurship to, to marketing, to education. Mm -hmm. And just to be clear, the young learners absolutely fits the expectation of the question. And anytime we can say that, that we need to engage our, our learners voices, we want to say that over and over again. So thank you for making that a priority. All right. Next question. Are you ready? Ready. If you were recommending one book to our listeners, what would that book be other than Finding Tiger? <laughs> um, well, I recently, like a couple months ago, just finished reading um, The Kite Runner mm. by Khaled Hosini, I think. Mm -hmm. And that was an amazing, amazing, amazing book. Um, and so that'd be like my recommendation at like, I guess like a short synopsis of it would just be like, it's about uh, this young boy and he grows up in Afghanistan, I think. Um, and like, you know, it just goes through the life, I mean, goes through the like recent history of like what has gone on in Afghanistan. And then he later like moves to America and um, he has like, he, like there's so many different like plot holes and not plot holes, but like, uh, what's it called? Like 
ups and downs throughout the book that are just really cool and things that you would never expect. So it's an amazing book. All right. Thank you. We'll add that. Cool. Um, so staying on my Seth Godin theme, there's a book <laughs> called Lynchpin uh-huh. um, that really kind of crystallized a lot of like what I've been feeling, but not able to articulate about um, myself and about people that do meaningful work. Um, and I think that the whole book is basically validating this idea of like emotional labor and how so much of the important work that happens in any field is is not the traditional um, out in front like looks amazing and super cool and gets all the accolades but it's like those those moments where you kind of see people for who they are um, and and do the right thing when nobody's watching um, and come up with new ideas when you don't need to and make things better because it's better for the user. Um, and they're just all these ideas where I, I, once I read that, I was like, okay, I guess what I'm doing is the right thing. Because for so long, I felt undefined. I was like, oh, I guess I'm studying this major, but like, am I, am I a this? Am I an accountant? Am I a marketer? Am I a this? Am I, th-? and I was trying to define myself. Um, and really the whole idea of linchpin is like, the invaluable mm-hmm. people lie at the intersection of all these things and they really you really can't be defined mm-hmm. um so that yeah they really just made something clear to me that i still can't articulate well <laughs> well thank you for thank you for sharing that last one is there an online site or a resource or a person um that you regularly learn from in your daily daily activity um so the first thing that popped into my mind, I guess is kind of like a, a bigger thing, but um, is like, you can learn so much from YouTube. <laughs> uh-huh. A lot of people think that, you know, like watching YouTube is just like, you know, like a pastime or whatever. But um, I feel like there's so many uh, people and like, like there's just so many different like avenues on YouTube that you can learn so much information from. And anytime you need like, um, you need to find information from like anyone on any subject, you can probably find it there. Um, it is just a really cool platform for everybody to like share their experiences um, and you can like see them like face to face, I guess, almost in a way. Thank you, Megan. My, my son taught himself how to build his computer by using YouTube. So I've seen that in action firsthand. <laughs> no fear with that tool. No fear, right? There, you can find anything. Yeah, I, yeah, YouTube is incredible. I'm a huge podcast person so i'm i'm constantly listening to podcasts um and everything from i'm really into the podcast hardcore history right now which is really interesting because i never enjoyed history um as a class so i think it kind of like the host is so compelling and so interesting and i've 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 listened to over 10 hours of content about world war one um in the last like two weeks Hmm. um and I've like loved every second of it. So hardcore history is, is, is incredible. The storytelling is really great. It will make people who don't think they like history like history. Um, I also so, love that how I built this is a great podcast about entrepreneurs, um, which which really makes this idea of entrepreneurship a little bit more approachable. Um, because they talk about this the people behind all these brands that we know. Um, yeah, I think the, those two I'm constantly listening to, constantly listen to audio. 
Thank you very much for sharing those. All right. So we learned about dual school. We learned about Megan's project. What's on the horizon for Zach and Megan? What what kinds of things are you working on next in your journey that you could share with our listeners? Yeah. So, um, and if we have a couple like big up and coming uh, projects that I'm now uh, working on after kind of exploring projects that, um, such as like my school project. So now um, I'm actually working on kind of starting up my own company currently. Um, it's called Biospork and I recently just pitched it and that was really cool. Um, and it's pretty much we're creating a biodegradable utensil made out of imperfect produce. Um, Cause I'm also super into like different like environmental problems and stuff like that. And so that's something really cool. Um, also potentially going to start working on a project relating to like mental health um, and just kind of like body image and uh, topics such as that for uh, like girls. And um, that's like kind of like relating to another like a uh, story that like I kind of like went through um, and like my background. So another kind of project similar to that. We, we have taken this dual school model, um, which, which kind of works with individuals, students, individual passion projects, and started to develop a model and a training where facilitators can um, tap into st- students and, and, and teens specifically here in the city of Wilmington to solve community issues together. Um, so we've partnered with another nonprofit called Strive, who specializes in social emotional learning, culture building, leadership training, and then dual school has brought this design thinking. Um, we've partnered together and we have created a training and a curriculum that um, we are actually we're prototyping this next week. So we are we are prototyping this this curriculum and this training for two teachers down in Sussex County, Delaware, who are going to be leading an, a program after school. It's a paid fellowship opportunity for Latino students. And they're going to work collectively. These 10 to 12 students are going to work on a project and prototype ideas for how to increase access to resources for Latino families in Sussex County, Delaware. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's our most recent push is we formalize this training and this curriculum where we can hand, um, we, we can train up people who work with young people and teens and then give them this curriculum where they are then able to tap into the insights of the young people and put those people um, at the center as designers. So I, the reason why um, we're doing this podcast in the evening is because it earlier I was at a, another program that we, we have helped to launch with Strive where we have 10 teenagers from Wilmington leading a mentoring program for middle school students here in the city as well. Um, so it's completely teen led. I didn't have to talk to anyone. I'm there as a formality as an adult supervisor. Um, and the teens run it all. They plan the activities, they coordinate the programs, they bring them to dinner, they, they do dismissal, they do all these things. It's completely teen led. So that's our, that's our new push is how do we, how do we use this and get get more young people solving the community problems um, with them truly at the center of the work mm-hmm. and not, not just being used as a focus group or, or for validation from, for an adult's perspective. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very nice. Very a great story and great, yeah. uh, great sharing in terms of what's coming next. So very inspiring yes. and that, you know, very learner centered, very authentic, very personal to, to those who are doing the work. So great, great stuff. Thanks so much for being here and sharing. 
Thank you so much, Megan and Zach. And in our show notes, we linked the book, um, another conversation Megan had with Education Reimagined, the resources that Zach and Megan shared, Kite Runner, Lynchpin, uh, Seth Godin, and those two podcasts that Zach recommended, Hardcore History and How I Built This. So lots of great resources for our listeners to go down a rabbit hole. Oh, yes. Each episode, <laughs> we leave you with a couple of questions to think about with the idea of provoking <coughs> reflection and conversation. This episode's questions, how do you support real-world connections in your learners' projects? And what elements of dual school might you embrace in your learning environment? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 5, Episode 31. And that's all for now. We'll be back soon with more conversations featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Megan and Zach. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, Zach. Thank you very much for having us. Bye-bye. Want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.